We are creating a platform for those who are curious, one that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is the Working Artist Project. Guys, today in the studio, I have, I'm I'm excited about this one. I went to college with this guy and we have a long history, a long friendship. And it's, it's awesome to see him doing what he's doing. He's managed to build his company from nothing to have like, to, to this huge entity that supports his family. Basically, he took his concept of teaching drum lessons and took it to the internet and built like this huge, this mass following of students and admirers. He's also been signed to a major record deal. He's obtained financial freedom. He's broken down and deconstructed the process for success, at least his process for success. And today we're going to talk about those things and more. Welcome Steven Taylor to the Working Artist Project. So today on the Working Artist Project, I have one of my longtime, I guess, college buddies. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about the long time part. Though. Oh, man. We're getting old, man. You're getting old. I'm, I'm still young. Oh, what? <laughs> so, Mr. Uh, Steven Taylor here. So, man, you know, the most interesting thing about you, or for me at least, is how you took a different path to success, you know? Like, you yeah. you didn't you didn't do what everybody else did, you know what I mean? How did you right. How did you formulate that idea? Well, um... I did what everybody else did and it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Trial and error. Yeah, man. So, uh, let's see. I got on a, I quit college uh, for like three years and then I played in New Orleans all that time. And then I came back and that's, you know, when you guys were there. And so I finished up and then I came to Nashville and, uh, yeah, man. So I just did what everybody else did when they moved to Nashville, you know, just, tried to get plugged in and network and um, start playing. And and at one point I was, you know, I was working UPS in the mornings from like 5 to 9 a.m. And then I was working a sandwich shop from like 10 to 2. And then I was going and playing a gig that night. And then it got to where my shift got moved so early to UPS that I was actually leaving the gig, going to UPS, going to the sandwich shop and sleeping in the afternoon. And um, that was my first few months here. And then, you know, I started playing with some bigger artists and some bus dates. and But I was always gone, you know, and I would come back from playing a festival of like 20,000 and then I'd go play like, you know, a bowling alley slash bar slash batting cages, you know, for like, 50 bucks you know and it's it just it, I, you can't do that with a family you know because it's like i gotta have some money <laughs> right you know right so um and and now you know all the guys kind of here in nashville you move to to town with a certain like a class of people i guess you start playing with those people and and a lot of the people that i move a town with are are on very large gigs now um, so I think I could have kept going down that path and it would have been fine, but I just came home after one gig and I just told Kelly, you know, I, I, 
this isn't working. This isn't why I got into music, you know. Uh, I didn't feel like I was doing anything creatively and just wasn't working. Not to mention, as you know, and probably talk about a good bit, you know, the music industry has changed completely. And so you don't have all the studio work you used to have. You don't have these road gigs, you know, like they used to. They're operating differently. And so I just started talking to guys that have been here a long, long time. And, um, man, they were trying to figure out ways to come off the road or side income. And, you know, it didn't seem like anybody knew what they were doing. It was just kind of all knee-jerk reaction. And, um, and so I just quit. I just said, you know what, let's, let's quit and reassess this thing. And um, I got a personal trainer's license, and I just said, you know what, I want to find an original project and do that you know, for no money just because it's music. Right. And, and then make my living some way else while I figure out this problem. And Kelly asked me, you know, I was doing that. She said, well, are you going to get back into music? I said, well, maybe. I said, but it'll have to be on my terms. I'll have to say who I work for, who I work with, how much I get paid. I said, I, I'm going to be in control of all those things because I wasn't in control of those things. You know? mm-hmm. And, uh, and the, I had a dad that traveled a lot. You know, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be that guy that was always gone and, you know, wife hated him because he was always gone. And, you know, so I just took some time and reassessed things, but I had to completely quit to do that. And so, uh, Around, I guess, 2009, when I started that process and slowly have gotten back into, you know, doing this thing full time. Right, man. It's, I know for me, sometimes like quitting is a challenge. You know what I mean? Oh, like I, I have this complex where I'm like, well, I'm not I'm not no quitter, man. Like, I'm <laughs> And I'll just like keep doing it until you just, you know, until you have to quit. Like, like, how did you know or how did you cope with that process of stopping something so that you can assess the situation to start something else yeah man i but quitting has become a a pretty regular part of my vocabulary at this point um i look at something and i try to assess you know like is that a long-term viable thing you know is that something that i try not to get hung up just because i put time into it like i need to do it you know, I'm willing to cut those costs if in the future, you know, there's a bigger payoff for doing something differently. So like where I was then, you know, I just had to look at it and go, this isn't long term. It's not sustainable in the long term, you know, like I don't I, I'll be doing this same thing in, you know, however many years. Right. There's no change. And it's one of the reasons why I quit when I was in New Orleans. I, I, I felt like. I just need to go do something else, you know. I've, I've done what I need to do here. You know, it's time to move on. So I just assess it like one thing at a time and try to figure out. Same with my business, you know. If there's a if there's a direction that we're going that doesn't work, I've, I'll I'll abandon ship real quick and change course to something that does work. But that, like you said, it's hard, you know. It was really hard for me to come to grips with quitting music, you know, full time. Uh, especially from an artist's perspective, it was just, uh, you know, a real, a real hit to the gut. But if I could have like seen in the future and seen, you know, like now, right. it would have been no problem, but right. we don't get to do that. 
So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that's the that's the that's the, that's the scary part because it's like, fuck, okay, what am I gonna do like with money and this and that, like, you know? But it always yep. seems to work out. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know, I just decided I just wanted to do music I was proud of, you know, which is you know kind of what I started doing once I quit. I just got into projects I liked, which I wound up getting signed. You know, the project that I picked, we wound up getting signed to a major label. I was like, well, this was <laughs> this was not supposed to happen. I was just supposed right. to do this for fun, right? You know, um, but you know, man, it's funny because those passion projects always, always when you're on the right path in life, always lead to something great. You know what I mean? Yep, they do. And I, I remember. After I quit, I was playing with an artist named Meshach, and uh, we came and played a date in New York. Was it Arlene's Grocery that we played? I forget. Must have um, been. That's a place. Yeah. And, man, we were playing. I was playing the crappiest kid I'd played in a long time. The The stage shut up was like I was not facing the crowd. I was. It was just completely weird, and I thought while I was doing it, I was like, man, this is like the best gig I've ever played because it's just <laughs> – there's no preconceived notions of what I should be doing right now. Like this is just it's just music for the sake of music, you know. Yeah, man, that's great. So early you spoke a little bit about your business. I want to get into that. And yeah, because man. you set up an online basically an online school for drums. Yes. You know, and you built yes. it from zero to like thousands. Like yes. how did, how did you man, how did you do that, man? Um I just, the first thing I did was I started, <laughs> and that, that's the biggest thing, man. You just got to, once you have, because people have ideas every day, but it's a matter of finding one that you're passionate about and then, and then starting. And so after I became a personal trainer and, you know, was doing that, I then had to buy us a house. And so... After I bought the house, then I had to redo the house. And then finally, I was able to say, okay, well, maybe I could set up a little recording studio here. And um, that's what I did. I I walled in my garage. Okay. <laughs> so I tore, I tore all the rigging down in my garage. Yeah. And from the outside, it looked like it was still a garage because I tacked up the garage door. And then I drywalled over that on the inside. Um, I didn't have any air. I didn't have any heat in there. So in the winter, I turned on the lights so it was warm. In the <laughs> summer, dude, in the summer, it was so hot. Man. Um, and I wound up in the door in the back. I wound up putting a window unit like in the door. Like you want to talk about ghetto. Right, it was right. in the door. So when you <laughs> open the door, the air conditioner swung out with the door. Like it was. <laughs> like, it was like one of those like glass kind of door thing yeah oh, man i put it in the door it was hilarious um and that's how i started you know and i just started shooting videos with a cheap 150 dollars camera that shot in hd and i started posting some to youtube and uh i guess after about a year and a half of that i uh the band that i was with lovers and liars we had been signed to universal records which was you know just a train wreck as every I don't think there's any major level record deals that aren't train wreck. And, um, and so I decided that it was time to, to get out of that group. Uh, the label had dropped us after a year. Um, 
And so I took a buyout from the band and I took that money and reinvested it into, it wasn't much enough to buy some recording gear. And, and, um, and I just put that back into this business and decided I was going to start, you know? So my goal was just to make costs, to get enough students to make costs. And, um, and that's, that's kind of happened. That happened after three months. I was able to, it sustained itself. It wasn't costing me any money to operate it. Right, right, right. Uh, and so, yeah, from there, it's just been mostly learning about marketing and this new landscape that we're, that we're in, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, that's been most of what my time has been because a drum lesson can only be so good. Right. Like, I can only teach a paradiddle so good, you know. <laughs> At some point, like, the, the, the goodness of the lesson is like, okay, if I taught this better – you know, it, it just, it's negligible. So at that point, it's, it's how you re- relate to the student. It's how you come across on camera. It's your marketing. It's your follow through with your business plan. It's how you support customer service. Those are the things that make the difference. Right. You know, not, how, you know, how fast you can play the paradiddle or how much better you can teach it. I mean, there is a, there's a cap to how good that lesson can get. So when you're in competition with everybody else, you, that has to set you apart you know, kind of how you do that and, and your marketing strategy and stuff. So did you check out other guys on YouTube and like kind of identify faults and, you know, weaknesses and strengths and like, okay, cool. I can get into this. I can get into that. How did, how you did know, you... I, I did, um, I, I tend to follow bigger YouTube channels outside of the drumming market because the drumming market can get a bit incestuous at times online. And there's companies that are, so much bigger than any of the drumming companies out there and they spend like you know what that company may make in a year like these companies spend as much as i make in a year just in one month of advertising or even just you know product development so i want to steal their ideas because they have a lot better ideas so right, right um at first though there was a lot of looking at other guys doing the same thing how could i how could i be different um and I kind of got caught up to, um, you know, I got to play the hip lick, got to do the, you know, what's hip. And nowadays I gear more towards if I just if I just make a lesson that tells the truth, it doesn't matter if I think it's hip or not. That tends to resonate with people a lot more than if I played some, you know, cool lick or right. which is completely not applicable in the world anyway. Man, so I can tell you this. I, you know, this is funny because uh, I, I sent you a message on Facebook about this, but. A few, like maybe a month ago, I'm in a rehearsal and and the singer was like, "Yeah, I just need a purdy shuffle on this one." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> you know," I was like embarrassed. I was like, "Yo, I actually don't know that," and, but I was like, <laughs> but, "But don't worry, I'll learn it tomorrow." You know, I'll have it tomorrow. And <laughs> so I'm on, I'm online, I'm searching purdy. So I pull up Bernard Purdy, but it was hard for me to pick up what he was doing just the way he, just because yeah. of who he is. You know, he's, oh, like, he's hilarious. Yeah, he's like talking and doing. I'm like, man, I just need somebody. <laughs> I just want to play it. Just play the yeah. damn thing. So I'm searching. I find some other guys. And then you come up. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, let me see what Steve Because I remember in college, you trying to teach me to purdy shuffle. And I was like, oh, whatever. Like, I remember. I don't know if you remember this. But once we were in a practice room, you were like, yeah, man, the purdy shuffle, man. You got to know it. And I was just like, oh, I know right. it. I know a shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Mississippi, man. I know how to play a shuffle. You know, yeah. it's cocky, but. And so anyway, here we are 10, 15, however long years later, you know, 
And that's uh, hilarious, man. Yeah, and so I watched your video, man, and it was straight to the point, and it was super easy to digest. And I was like, this is why you have thousands of followers, man. You know what I mean? Because you, it, it, it was so easy. You know, and look, man, I'm a professional drummer, man. So you know, I was like, damn, I right. and and I had never learned anything from YouTube, you know, because right. You know, our generation, we just listen to records, and we, you know, but which is which is a lost art these days, right? But also, you, I see why people learn from YouTube because it would have been more difficult for me to find which record is he playing the Purdy Shuffle on. You know what right. I mean? Then I have to do that, get to it, and whatever, and then listen to it and try to cut through all the other sounds to get to what he's doing. Versus, right? You already did the work, so. I t- you know what I mean? Right. You already did that part. So I just listen to you do it. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I got it. And then the way you right. broke... And Go ahead. That's the great thing about YouTube is, you know, for short snippets of information like that, it's fantastic. Right. Um, you know, you can learn anything on there. Yeah. And uh, as, it's, as far as, you know, being a resource for like a well-rounded education, it's kind of hard, uh, which is where kind of the website comes in. But yeah, man, I mean, it's it's a fantastic place to just learn. You know, uh, anything you need to know, really, anything yeah, is no, on there. That's true. I bake on YouTube. I do all kinds of stuff on YouTube. Man. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> like the gym, like all sorts of like, oh, man, I wonder how do I do? Oh, and then 10 seconds later, I'm good. I'm, I'm an expert. You know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So I want to back up a little bit back to your time in New Orleans. Okay. And so you were planning this place called the Famous Door there. Yeah. Right. So uh, John Wayner owned that whenever I was there at that mm-hmm. time. So I think it was actually John Wayner's famous store. But yeah, okay. it's been known as the famous store forever. Right. So you were you were playing what like eight hour sets or? Uh, yeah, we did. Um, we did five hour shifts. I think it was. And so we played what they called a set was forty five minutes. So we played two hour uh, two sets back to back, so an hour and a half, and then a thirty minute break, and then two more thirty minute break, and then a 45 minute set. So, right. Um, and then I was playing once nine 11 happened, uh, they split, they took us to like 20% of the, of the alcohol sales or whatever it was, the bar sales was our pay. And during the day, you know, unless you're just day drinking, it ain't, yeah, you know, that wasn't cutting it. So I got to where I was playing from about 11 30, 12 until nine or nine 30 at night. I was playing doubles every day just to, just to kind of, not even make what I was making before. Wow. So what did you learn from that experience that you apply to your business now? Um, I learned a few things. I don't need to know everything. I just need to know what I need to know to get that job done. So you don't have to be a master of all trades. You know, every job is going to require something specific. And so when I got into a blues band, I learned a lot of blues, you know, and I became a blues player. And whenever I got into a classic rock band, I did that. When I was playing with a jazz band, I would do that. Um, and then I also learned that nobody cares if you have a bad day, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like when you're on stage, uh, they want they want a show. You know, right. you are hired to, to do a product. And so you have to really be able to separate yourself from delivering, you know, night after night, whether you're having a bad day or not having a bad day. Um, and that's the same with business. Like none of my students, I mean, they care, but they don't care. You know, 
Right. Whether I've had a bad day. And so my teaching can't be affected by my surroundings around me. Right. Right. Um, right. My marketing can't be affected just because I'm not feeling good about myself. Like I have to go in, you know, guns blazing and be able to, to pull whatever out I need to do. Right. So consistency, um, like just being yeah. a consistent human being and, and deliver, man, let's listen to something from lovers and liars. Is that cool? Sure. sounds good man yeah man it was a uh you know modern rock piano driven band it's funny i was just thinking about uh when we recorded that song we were using old studio here in nashville that elvis used to record in and uh, just a great spot to record and they made me record the song drums and then cymbals wait what so i had to play <laughs> i had to play my whole part because they wanted more isolation and I see him in there in the control room, like talking. And as soon as I, as soon as Mills brought it up, he was the engineer. He's like, "Well, there is something else we could do." And I'm sitting there. I'm like, "Don't say it, bro. Don't, don't do that." <laughs> he said, "We could record him separately." I'm like, and so I see him talking. They turn the talkback mic off, and I see him, you know, talking in there. They come back over. They go, "Okay, here's what we're gonna do." Because Stacy had said, "Oh, Steven could do it. No problem. He'll do it." It turned like what I thought was going to be the easiest day of recording because I've been playing that song for three years. Right. Man, it turned it into a nightmare for me trying to remember where I raised a hi-hat or where I was supposed to hit, you know, where I left a space to hit the crash and gah. For people who <laughs> who don't play drums and are listening to this, what he did was impossible. Like <laughs> It was horrible. Basically, playing drums is like being four people at once and your mind is programmed to be okay with that but when you start separating those people into individuals just okay i just need to play the bass drum part and now like you don't remember do you know what i mean because it's just an automatic yeah. response there's picture they actually hung studio foam on a cymbal stand so that i would have i finally told him i was like give me something to hit that doesn't make noise and so i was there's a video of me just wailing on this foam <laughs> while i'm playing and it's just me, you know, bashing this foam piece. Wow, man, so, that's crazy. So yeah, that's crazy, man. Well, see now, now they've heard an example of what what you can do, you know. And so you you gave that up to be a full time educator. Where did the passion yeah. for education come from? Um, you know what, I I didn't have one. <laughs> Damn. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of teachers that. You know, they were born to teach, and I always had a complex because I was like, you know, I don't want to be a teacher, but, you know, maybe I should feel like I should be a teacher. Um, I didn't I didn't enjoy sitting with students that didn't practice. I didn't enjoy wasting their time and feeling like I was trying to make them do something. Um, uh, I didn't – that was the part of teaching that I didn't enjoy. 
Um, I love teaching passionate individuals that are excited to learn. Um, but that was always kind of like a, it always put a damper on it for me whenever you have a kid come in and they haven't touched the thing since they saw you last. And they're just there because their parents are making them be there. And, you know, uh, you feel like a glorified babysitter at times. Right. And, um, but I loved the technology part of it. And I loved that we could deliver information in this way. And I wished I would have had that information when I was a kid. Because I grew up way out in the country. And so it took me almost 45 minutes just to drive to my drum teacher. Um, and it was 50 bucks a lesson. Um, whereas the internet has really reduced the cost and no matter where you are, you can get quality instruction. And my dad was a pastor growing up. So I always, public speaking was something that I always was a part of, you know, I'd always seen him do it. And he was a great teacher as far as that goes, uh, just a communicator. And, um, so for some reason, when it came to teaching online, I got it. And I liked it. And the more I did that, the more I began to enjoy teaching in person as well. Um, and, and teaching, you know, private students and doing clinics and those kinds of things. But it was kind of a reverse engineer thing for me. Of I wanted to be involved in music. And this was a way for me to do that. And the passion really came, really came afterwards. Um, and now I'm very passionate about delivering information in a really um, digestible way. So taking a complex subject and, and breaking it down to its basic component, being able to see a nine-year-old get that or a 10-year-old get that or, or a professional, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, that's, that's really where my passion comes from now is being able to deliver something I didn't have when I was, well, neither of us had when we were growing up. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was, it's a different world, you know? And so you also from teaching you got into self-publishing and writing yes yes so i did man, where are you learning this so, stuff from man tell people where to go what's your phone YouTube. number so they can call you youtube, <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> um no as i you know like we talked about earlier you don't have to know how to do everything you just got to know how to do you got to have the resources for the task at hand and so when it came time to publish you know my first group of lessons which was like a you know just it was a bass drum boot camp and i had promised people on my email list i was like i'm gonna have this out i'm working hard but i had like two camera angles and mics and you know i was taught how to play the drums nobody taught me how to mic up a kit you know right and set a camera angle with good lighting and so i'm having to learn all those things as well as learn the internet online, you know, how do they check out securely? How do I secure their information? You know, how do I deliver the, how do I deliver a download? I mean, you would be amazed at how hard that was to figure out for me. Yeah. Uh, and it got to where, you know, finally I told him I'd get it out. And I think I got it out at like 1148 PM. And I told him I was going to have it out that. Day. And I mean, I was working feverishly and uh, I finally figured out how to do the website thing and, deliver the content and i sent him a link and i was like here i've worked really hard on this it's eight dollars you know and it's just a series of lessons on improving your kick drum foot and i got in bed i was just like exhausted and then i heard my phone my phone dinged and when it dinged that was a sale okay and i looked at it i was like 
oh, somebody just bought some, you know. So I'm checking it, and I'm like, seeing if that works. And then I heard another ding, and I was like, well, that's, you know, $16. Right. And so then I, I kind of rolled over, and then I heard another ding. I was like, that's 24 I didn't sleep at all you that just... night. Every, you know, every ding, I was like, that's this many dollars. That's oh, And so man. I finally got up and cooked myself breakfast at like 3 in the morning, you know. <laughs> um, because... It was amazing to me that I could make a product in my house, in my you know studio, right. and deliver that around the world for eight dollars, and people could improve themselves. And so I kind of got addicted to that idea of delivering information. And so from there, that got me into looking into self-publishing and how could I do that. Um, and the resources out there for that are just amazing. Um, you know, and that that further got me into physical publishing. And you know, what if I made a shirt? How do I do that? How do I deliver that around the world? What if, you know, I uh, made a chorus and could sell an individual chorus? You did know, you all did those? You, did you go through Amazon or? Because you know, I know Amazon um, has a self-publishing. Yeah, sure, Create Space. Um, I went through a site called Lulu. I think it was Lulu. Um, at the time, they were self-publishing. They were a print-to-order company. So um, they were one of the only ones out at the time. And you could upload your PDF, and it cost you nothing until somebody bought something. And when they bought it, they would print it, and then they would ship it. Um, and so then like you drop, got drop shipping kind of situation. Yeah, except there's no, there's no product you know, stored in a warehouse somewhere. So I didn't have to pay $800 to have my book printed and then worry about selling them. Right. It was once somebody ordered it. They printed it and then they shipped it. It all happened at one time, you know. Um, but their customer service sucked. Um, it was okay. really, really. And then they have one printer that wouldn't read files correctly. So I got a guy in Great Britain that got one of my books. And it was like hieroglyphics. It's just a bunch of. Oh, he's no. like, "Hey man, what's up? What's up with your book?" I was like, "You know, I was appalled, you know." And so I, I told him I was like, "I'll fix it." Couldn't get anybody on the phone, so I wound up ordering it myself, paying for it, paying to have it shipped to me, right? making sure it was okay, signing the thing, and paying to have it shipped to him in Great Britain. Oh, my God. So for him to get my book, it cost me like $30, you know? And I was like, okay, there's got to be mm-hmm. better. And so that's whenever I started searching, and Amazon had just launched their create space, is what they call it, yeah. self-publishing. And um, it's it's amazing because they put you in the biggest bookstore in the world so anybody can find it. And their customer service is stellar. So if 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 somebody got a bad book on Lulu, I had to I had to be the customer service. Right. If somebody gets a bad book on Amazon, they contact their customer service. Right. So as much as I can streamline this experience for the customer, I want to. Make sure that they get better service. And the best way for them to get good service in a publishing type of a deal is for me to not be in the equation. Now, what's the name of that and, book? Just in case you have two out, right? Uh, I've got, I've got um, three. I've kind of taken down. The main one is Functioning in Time. Okay. Uh, uh, that, would be, that would be one. And then I've got one called The Drummer's Bullpen, which is a, a book of warm-ups um, just for people to use whenever they go into the practice space. But functioning in time has been the one that has has continued to sell. Um, now we got a, 
we got to get all the universities around the world to adapt this book in their percussion <laughs> departments, starting with Southern Miss. <laughs> but, you know, you're talking about self-publishing because there's so many professors I know out there that have killer books. And when you walk in, they like they hand you a copied version of it. Right. And, you know, I had a professor at a very large university. I'm not going to say names. I don't know. You know, they would like. Right. But he he helped me. He introduced me to Vic Firth, a guy at Vic Firth, and wound up getting my first, you know, my stick endorsement with them. And so I said, well, hey, man, I'm going to, you know, he wanted to know about self-publishing. And so I taught him how to go through CreateSpace and put his, you know, the copies of his book that he was printing himself and just giving to people. You know, I told him, I was like, look, first off, don't do that anymore. Right, 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 right. You worked hard to create that. They need to pay you money for that, you know. Um, and so uh, and so he made, you know, he made a lot of money the next off of just doing that on Amazon. It was just a thing of uploading the PDF files he already had and being published the book right exactly and people were people were happy to buy it just because um just because of who he was and you know it was a good book so the it the resources we have for launching original music projects and i've never i'm about to launch an original music project of my own and so i'm looking more into that and but there's never been a better time to be an independent artist um ever in the history of humanity right uh, because the middleman has been taken away. And so we can communicate with our, our uh, followers, with our um, fans face-to-face, you know. And you have things like, um, you know, what's those things uh, you can get on in a, a Kickstarter, yeah, like a Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. Crowdfunding. Yeah. I think that's the challenge, yeah. though, for today's artists because, you know, a lot of times – especially kids, people who go to conservatories and stuff, they just want to create, you know. But nowadays, like you're saying, you got to be the writer, the publisher, you got to be the marketer. You know what I mean? You got to, sometimes you have to be customer service. You're not just this creative being that gets to be like, you know, in your own world, drumming or playing piano or painting or dancing. We can't do that anymore. Right. You know what I mean? And you... And, And to me, you know, you can you can meld the two, you know. You can you can make a Kickstarter campaign that is also creative and gives good customer service at the same time that you deliver a creative product, you know. You don't have to think of them as two different camps, you know. To me, my customer service is just an extension of what I do creatively anyway. Hmm. Um, and so, but it's hard, you know, like you said to a lot of my job is not playing drums. A lot of my job is is managing some things, you know, and the more I can automate my business and I've brought somebody on to do customer service. Now, um, I brought somebody on to do all of my sheet music, all of my, uh, all of my video editing. Um, and I'm trying to bring people in and I make less at the end of the day, but it makes me more productive and be able to focus on the creative things, which is, you know, like you said, I'm, that's my wheelhouse. I'm better in that area anyway. Right. Man, do you have interns? You pay? Are you paying people? No, I, I pay. You paying people? Well, I, Although, need, I need some interns. So if you listen to this, <laughs> you want to work for me for free. <laughs> you know, it's internships are a fantastic way, and and uh, and 
and it's a great way to 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 help somebody so you can teach them what you know and at the same time they can help you it's a fantastic you know right. uh bartering system if you will uh uh because you know like the guy uh tim the guy that does my sheet music he makes no qualms about it like he i pay him to do the work and he does fantastic work. he's a great guy but he's also a drummer and he's also learning a lot about my business and how i do what i do right and so he loves doing the work right just because you know he's able to learn right of course um so yeah i think i interns are a great way to <laughs> to get good work done and teach them at the same time so i want to switch gears a little bit man and and uh talk about finances uh-oh because uh-oh I, <laughs> I know a lot of people struggle with this especially coming you know, coming out of school and you have like maybe student loans and you you have debt, you have this and that. And I remember you telling me a long time ago about Dave Ramsey and the system that you use to pay off some debt. Yeah. If I remember correctly, you said you had money in envelopes and you would put certain amount of money for certain <laughs> things. You remember this? And so I do. It's 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 amazing how people tell you things and like you told me that all those years ago and then I finally got to it and I, I read the book. I, I didn't do his system exactly but you know i combined some different things i read a bunch of books sure. and, and i ended up paying my student loans off and everything and all of that so what do you what do you think about like the the kids can do to get to financial freedom you know what uh, you know they don't teach it this needs to be a class that they teach kids um because when i was coming up my parents didn't mean to do to do bad but I remember my dad telling me that credit was good. Right, right. That I needed to go, when I was old enough, we went and opened up a bank account so that I could start getting credit. And that was just kind of passed down to me. And I watched both of my parents go bankrupt twice. And um, so that made me sit down and be like, hmm, maybe <laughs> they weren't right. <laughs> and... Uh, and Dave Ramsey, yeah, you know, my mom is the one that made me go to this one-day seminar on, you know, getting out of debt, ironically enough. And, man, I was so pissed off at her because I was like, I'm going to go pay this guy $75 tell me how to get, you know, take care of my money. And um, But what he said made a lot of sense. And uh, you can't really have control of your finances until, until you are free of – debt and all those things hanging over your head so yeah we, you know his system is an envelope system you know it's basically you make a budget it goes on paper before you spend it everything is allowable as long as it's in the budget right you know you want to spend five dollars on a coke or a starbucks that's great is it in the budget if it's not put it in the budget next month and so you track every dollar that comes through and the cash system is much easier and people don't understand it, but it's much easier if you say, I'm going to pull $400 a month for groceries than if you just use your debit card every time you go. And the studies show you'll spend less if you, if you spend cash. There's, so, there's like a pain point that happens. Right. And so I think the most important thing, like you said, you know, I didn't follow a system exactly. I mean, his system's good. There's other systems out there. The most important thing is that you're thinking about the finances right. and that you're putting it on paper. And that you're learning how to make a budget. Kelly and I still, that's my wife, for all of you that, none of you know that. <laughs> but that's my <laughs> wife. Um, 
And we still sit down once a month, we do the bills, and we talk about it, and we have a, a sheet, and we write down, hey, how much do we need in groceries this month? And she goes and pulls the cash, you know. Um, we don't do it like we used to, you know. Every dollar doesn't come out in an envelope. Uh, but there's certain ones that, you know, food still comes out in an envelope. Our entertainment money, we try to, you know, put that envelope basically just says we pull the cash, and that's what we mark right. it for. Right. Um, but I – I built this. I built this business debt free, yeah. um, and that's what has allowed me to. Um, it, you don't grow as fast, um, but I have complete control over everything, and I don't have to do something. I don't have to do something just because somebody says I have to do it. Right. I don't have a creditor telling me that I have to do something because I got to pay them five hundred dollars the next. Um, if I want to do it, I do it. You know. Um, but that also makes I have to, you know, and we're in the middle of two months right now. We're launching a new project. And, uh, man, I have spent some money, Darian. <laughs> Bro, it is like flowing out of, you know, I'm like, oh, geez. But as a business, that's just you have to do those things sometimes, right. you know. Right. Uh, it's just in my case, it all comes out of my pocket. I don't have a bank giving me money. Right. So tell us about the project that you're launching. Uh, this one, so I've been teaching, uh, I've got two. I've got a music project that I'm doing with uh, Roy Mitchell Cardenas from um, Mute Math. He's the bass player for the band Mute Math. Um, that'll be just all music, and I'm excited about that one. So we kind of started production on that one. The other one that's actually out, coming out, actually today was the first day that we're kind of putting everything live. Uh, it's called The Art of Practice, and... I made this course for drummers when my students were having trouble. They were practicing, but weren't getting anything done. Okay. And so I started developing and using some systems that I'd used in my own practice time. Technology is great, but with the advent of the internet and the smartphone and social media, the number of distractions that we have every day, is, it's just an onslaught. And so we're not capable of handling those. So you have to have a system developed. Okay. So I, I taught this course to drummers like the strategical side of practice. How do you schedule? How do you eliminate practice killers? How do you find those things that are keeping you from practice? How do you set goals? How do you make those smaller goals? How do you hit those day in and day out? How do you keep a practice journal? What are creative triggers? How does the brain actually work in the learning process? What is the learning process? Um, all of those things. What are creative assembly lines? What is zoning? Um, tools you can use in your practice time. And hands down, like, the most popular thing I've ever taught. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't touch a drum. I was yeah. just teaching them like, this is how you, this is how you practice. This is the way that the professionals practice. This is the way that top in any field practice. You don't have to put in 10 hours a day. If you put in two or three hours of focused time, that's actually all you need to do yeah. uh, to get to the level that you want to get to. And that, so that, uh, that kind of thinking applies to anything in life. You know what I mean? You can, yeah, you can apply that to working out you know what I mean? Like you can, you just need to condense it and be very focused and productive. Yep. yep. And so I've, uh, I had a lot of requests to do this for the general musician. And so, uh, the art of practice dot online is, um, is that it's, it's this course is about 20, 20 hours of instruction and it's just on the strategical side of practice. How can you get more out of the time that you have? You know? Wow. Um, yeah, so excited about it. 
I've been working my butt off. Yeah, yeah, man. I know how that feels, man. I'll link that in the description. So if anyone wants to check that out, look in the description, check it out. You know what I mean? And so, there's some free there's some free lessons there too. So feel free to oh, cool. watch those and, and don't buy a thing. You, to, you know, just just learn. Yeah. So what's give? I want to get plug your website it, for your uh, for your drum lessons. Sure. It's that's a uh, stevensdrumshed.com. So Steven with a ph and then shed s h e d dot com. And then your YouTube handle is what. <laughs> Talk about regret. It's, it's <laughs> drummer ETC, drummer etc. All uh, one word. Don't ask me why I made that. YouTube won't let you change it though. Right. <laughs> so now I get called drummer Eric all the time. Oh man. People, I've, I've met guys in person. They think my name's Eric. I'm like, it's Steven. It's on everything. I don't know why you think my YouTube <laughs> handle is Eric because it's actually ETC. Like it doesn't make any sense right That's so funny. uh so yeah man but i got i think over 250 lessons over there on the youtube channel okay uh, for people to check out and you know just learn from you know give them your home address so they can come by and say hello yeah yeah let's do, <laughs> let's do my social security <laughs> number too i'll give you time to get a pin <laughs> oh man Bring this full circle. Man, so I like to ask, uh, we're coming up to the end here, and I like to ask everybody this that I interview the same question. Uh, what are you most thankful for? Three things. Um, three things. <laughs> That's easy, man. Uh, it's my faith, it's my family, and then it's my business, how I get to make a living. Those there are is. those three. Um, those are the three anchors, and they always come in that order. And anytime they get out of that order, uh, life does not go well. <laughs> so they have to stay in that order. All right, I like that, man. Um, yeah, I'm I'm what you call a lifestyle entrepreneur. So um, my my business is driven by how I want my lifestyle to look, and that's not that I want to have a bunch of money. You know, it's that uh, I want my family life to be a certain way. I want my professional life to be a certain way. Uh, and I want to be able to enjoy those things. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, man, those three things, it's an easy, easy answer. There it is, man. Well, <laughs> I want to thank you for coming on the Working Artist Project. Mr. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, man. It was fun, man. So Good to catch up. I, yeah, right. I know, man. I know. I know. Well, all right, man. Catch you later. And we'll see you. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Working Artist Project. Before you go, I need you to do a few more things. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment on iTunes and Facebook. I would love to connect with each and every one of you. It would also be awesome if you guys could check out my Patreon page. The link will be in the description. Each week, I will recognize one of my patrons at the end of this podcast. If you want to find out how to get your name called, click the link below. Become a patron. I'll catch you guys later. Peace.